chapter 30. Deuteronomy chapter 30. Let me just say while you're turning there, um, this morning I made reference to people falling asleep in church, that if you stayed up all night, two nights in a row, and you fell asleep in church, the problem is not um, church or things like that. I understand that there are people that take medicines that cause them to be sleepy, and that was in no way intended toward them. Um, And if I publicly will say if anybody was offended by that, I ask your forgiveness. Now let me also say, I know that Saturday night is a night that you can stay up late because it's not a school night. It is a school night. It's more important than any school they'll ever go to. It's God's school. And the way that we prepare for church is really pathetic. Most people don't read their Bibles on Sunday morning because I'm going to get enough of it at church. We stay up late, we're groggy, we pile in here, and I've often said by the time you get to Sunday night, you might have things squared around, we might have things squared around that we're good to go. Now, you're saying, you ought to be thankful we're here. It's not about me. You know, it's about God. Now, sincerely, um, I say... I understand that there are people that, that have medical issues, that when they sit down, they fall asleep. Um, I have that. At come 9 o'clock at night, I sit down by a wood stove, I fall asleep, okay? Seriously, though, I understand that, and that was this morning no way intended to offend or pick out. In fact, I didn't notice anyone sleeping this morning. I thought, good, I can use this illustration. So um, at any rate, um, I appreciate people um, being here and your desire for the things of God. And, um, you know, ultimately with me, and this is what I, I wish you would pray diligently for me, that I would speak knowing that I must give an account to God. And, you know, um, that is something I try to keep before me. I can't say that I always do. That, to me, is a scary responsibility. And um, and, uh, the, the responsibility that is there in answering to God for that, and I do greatly appreciate your prayers. I know that that you as a people pray diligently. And um, as I've said often, anything good is God, and anything bad you can pin on me. And that's the absolute truth, because I know what is in me and what is in my flesh. And so um, I, I thank God for the opportunity to minister. Tonight, am I really pro-life? Do I really believe what pro-life means? In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, 
It says, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both thou and thy seed may live, that thou mayest love the Lord thy God, and that thou mayest obey his voice, and that thou mayest cleave unto him, for he is thy life, and the length of thy days, that thou mayest dwell in the land which the Lord sware unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give them. He challenged Israel. He said, I've set before you life and death. Do you understand? Every decision comes down to these basic things. Every decision is either going to fall down on the side of life or it falls down on the side of death. It, it, that's just the way it is. And in understanding, as I view life and as I make various decisions, I need to see I have a choice here between life and between death. I have a choice between God and Satan, I have a, a responsibility that I am committing my will and my spirit to these certain aspects. So, in understanding this, it's easy to say, I'm for life. But we're going to ask some questions tonight to help us take personal inventory. Am I really pro-life? Number one... Needless to say, it deals with children. Do I love children? Do I really believe that, um, that abortion is wrong? Do I believe that it is murder? Even if it is my wife or my daughter, or if the child is deformed... Our missionary that we support, Greg Waller, is most definitely pro-life. Those of you not familiar with it, as they were serving in Guyana, his wife was raped. And one of the rare cases that, as a result of that, she was with child from that. Greg Waller showed that he was pro-life. That child, Tim is serving with them and has been a great, great blessing to them. And they, Greg Waller and his wife Linda, manifested that they believe God is good and God is sovereign and they chose life in some of the most difficult circumstances that one could ever imagine. We can't say what we would do in similar situations. I mean, we can say, but until a person's immersed in it, it's a whole different ballgame. But, you know, when we ask this question, do you love children? We also then have to ask the question, have we, reject, have we rejected children that God has intended for us. I mean, it's easy for us to say, I'll love two children or I'll love three children. Do we really love children? Um, 
across across Christianity in particular, but literally around the world, the the um, the taking these matters into our own hands and becoming our own gods is having um, amazing ramifications. And I don't know if they have it ready to go, but just to show you, this isn't a Christian thing. It's just a it's just a common sense thing. There's a population pyramid thing that, um, let me just, have you started it yet? Good. Um, Mark, wasn't it when we were teaching Sunday school, you showed the demographics of Muslims in Europe and the demographics of population, wasn't that? David Little showed it here. Do any of you remember that? That when, when, a, when a nation drops below 2.1 reproduction, um, it's, it's on the downhill side. And when it gets to 1.9, I think it is, it's to a point that it, it cannot return. But I think a couple times you've seen this. This is just, it's much more brief and it doesn't have anything to do with various religions. Um, but it just shows you what's happening when a people love self more than it loves God's purpose for self um, and, and the ramifications of, of just, just something to get you thinking. So go ahead with that in this world. But when, when we fail to replenish, you saw, and we're facing it in this nation, there's a... Uh, there's a large number of older, i.e., okay, citizens, and and the younger is much fewer. And as that continues to become top-heavy, it creates a crisis situation, and we are we are running into that today, and and it comes back to this aspect that. Do we really love children? Do we have a heart for children? Now, I understand, um, you know, God is the one that, and at times, He he closes the womb. But we will say, I just, I just couldn't handle more than one or more than two, and we don't have the money for... How many of you had the money when you had your first child? You had what is it? What do they say it costs to raise an average child? Do you know, Mark? <laughs> you know, it, it's not an issue. Do I have the money? Do I have the the ability? You may have thought you had the ability before you had kids, and then you had a kid and found out you didn't have the ability, right? And, and, and the reality of, of all of this, we can pile up the excuses, but a number of years ago I, I heard someone say this, and it resonated with me, until Christians change their attitude toward children, God's never going to change the laws regarding abortion in our land. And, and it really is a is a reality. Again, this Bible integrated, we'll take what we want, but do we love children? And you can also make the application, um, you know, children, and which we all were at one time, 
Children cause problems. You know, they take work. They mess up a house. And I always say, where there are no oxen, the barn is clean. Well, where there are no kids, the house is clean. But I'd lot rather have a broken down, dirty house that you have to keep cleaning. Did Andrew and Sheila say we have no kids and the house is dirty? (laughs) It keeps getting, you have to keep cleaning it, right? (laughs) But, you know, it's just like, it's just like having kids around the church. When you have kids around the church, things happen, right? But I'd lot rather have kids in a church and things happening than have everything just cut and dried. And no, I'm not saying kids should be hanging off the chandeliers and I'm going in other places that I don't need to be going right now. But the fact is, do we love children? And and it comes back, do we have a biblical view of, of marriage that it's not, oh, I have these kids to make me happy? Or do we have these children and do what God has called us to do as a calling of God? Do we really love children? Jesus had a great heart for children. Suffer the little children to come unto me. And um, we must step back and ask ourselves, do we love children? Secondly, are we pro-life? Do you love people? Do you love people of all types and colors and intellects and social stature and reputation and pierced and and everything you can think of that you think, oh, do we love people? Have a genuine passion. Do we see them the way God sees them? See, we can say I'm pro-life, but I just can't stand that person. Well, that's a life. And we're not pro-life. We're not for them. I'm not saying that you approve the sin. I'm saying, do you see them the way God? He sees them with a passion. He sees them uh, as great potential in Jesus Christ. And He designed them to serve Him and give glory to Him. What is, you know, and this varies from, from all of us. What is your attitude um, toward the old person or the handicapped person or the homosexual or the alcoholic or uh, a member of the opposite political party or your boss or your neighbor that blows his leaves in your yard and his dog poops in your yard and, and all the other things that you hate. Do you really love life? Do we love people? Or do we, we love certain people that believe like I do and, and that, um, you know, support me? Do we love people? And along that line, do I love the lost? Is, is, is the lost aspect even a part of my thinking that this person... Are they without Christ? Do they know Christ and, and uh, need some growth? Do they know Christ? And how can I encourage them? 
Do we love the lost? The Son of Man has come for what purpose? To seek and to save who? The lost. He said, I did not come to minister to those that are healthy. I came to minister to those that are sick. I am always convicted by the Apostle Paul's attitude and how he prayed for his fellow countrymen. He said, Would to God that I could be accursed for them. I mean, you talk about a burden for the lost. That I would be willing to take their place so that they could come to know Christ. When, when is the last time that you, you really were broken over the condition of a lost person? That you were broken over their soul? We can say, I'm pro-life, but we're not for the life. We're not for them and, and reaching them with Jesus Christ. Pro-life involves so much. And, and I know I'm adding, this isn't what the pro-life movement, but they don't, they don't get beyond first base. Um, I thank God for the pro-life movement, but a lot of people in the pro-life movement don't fulfill number four, do I love the Lord Jesus Christ? If you're really for life, you have to love Jesus Christ. And if you love someone, you desire to be with them. So we ask this, do I, do I really love the Lord? I'm not saying, have you received Christ? I don't want you... Is there evidence in my life that I love Jesus? How do you know? How do you evidence that? Well, you want to be with them. You enjoy talking to them. You want to know uh, what makes them tick. You want to learn about them. Proof that we love the Lord is we'll desire to be with Him. He also tells us that proof that we love God is we desire to keep His commandments. When you love someone, you want to learn what they like so that you can do what they like because you love them. You want to please them. That's the reason um, we, we read the Word of God. One of the reasons is so we can learn what God likes and we love Him. We want to show that we love Him and we want to obey Him. If you love me, keep my commandments. If we love Him... We will choose Christ. He will be, as we mentioned this morning, our life. Along the same line, number five, do I love the eternal? In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, The things which are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. What is it that if you were to go through your life, what is it that your heart is really after? Do we really long for that which is not seen? I don't mean just longing for heaven. Do we see things from an eternal perspective? Isaiah, the prophet, 
God had him say to the people, Why do you spend your money for that which does not last? Now, admittedly, you have to get food and you have to provide shelter and you have to um, have clothes and so on. But do we see the big picture of that which is eternal and do we live for eternal? Do you understand your most prized possession, earthly possession, it's going to be gone. It's going to be somebody else's. You know, you, you realize that. And when, when, you, when you live in an area long enough, you know, you see a house and it, it used to be vibrant and nice and well-kept and and then you see somebody move out, and maybe somebody else move in, and somebody move out, and the coons move in, and the trees fall on it, and then finally somebody comes and bulldozes it down, and, and you just see that. And uh, there, there was a house on Highway 65 going north out of Lucas that, that I, we used to drive by, and I say, man, that is a neat place there. And, and I thought, that is a neat house. And I and we'd go by and periodically I'd say, look how that thing's just going to pot. And and um, here last couple of years they just burned it, bulldozed it down. What? And I just thought that at one time was somebody's pride and joy. They just the house is done, honey. We can move into it tomorrow. And, you know, sometimes I, this morning, I looked at my house and I said, I'm ready for the bulldozer to come, you know? I don't mean, I mean, I'm thankful for my house, but you're always working on it. It, it all, everything breaks down, falls down, falls apart. You know, it, it's temporal. The only way we can build security in our life is to build our life around that which is eternal. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, we need to be good stewards and take care of what we have. But do I really love that which is eternal? Or, or am I spending my life trying to always improve and keep the temporal from slipping through my fingers? It's going to slip through your fingers. And it, it may be flushed through your fingers before you know it. And in realizing, um, anyway, for me, and I, I may be a weird duck. Amen? I thought that would get some amens. But for me, mowing a cemetery is a good thing for me. Because it reminds me, someday somebody's going to be spinning out on my grave. You know what I mean? They're just going to be, get these weeds out of here. It is. And it's only what you've done for Jesus Christ that's going to last. That, that's the only thing that's going to last. And pro-life means you love what, what is eternal. So, we come down and we ask this question. 
we would immediately say no, but I want you to think about it. Do I actually love death? See, when, when I choose anything over Scripture, over the Word of God, uh, you know, all this temporal stuff, when I choose it, I'm, I'm loving death. And, and before Israel, he said, I've set before you life and death. You know, every morning we get up and, and what you choose. I don't have time to get in the Word. I don't have time. But we've got time to catch the weather and the news and the email and the Facebook and every other. We're choosing death. We're not pro-life. We're not for that which gives life. Take a, take a look. I challenge you. Keep track this next week of how you invest every half hour of your, of your day, of your week. Now, there's a lot of times that you don't have a choice. You're at work. Okay? You're investing it at work. But there's a lot more time that you get to choose what you're going to do. On the way to work, you get to choose what you're going to listen to, what you're going to think about. On the way home from work, at, at all these other times... And to see, what am I choosing? Am I really choosing life? Am I choosing that that will build me? Am I choosing that that, that would be of God? The, the real issue, I believe, for we as Americans in this whole abortion issue is that we be pro-life from this perspective tonight of what we've heard. That we really would love God and love that which is eternal, and love the lost, and love people, and love children. And see, we've grown so accustomed that this is the norm, this is the way things are, and nobody's rocking the boat. And God lets the boat go on without a rudder to utter destruction. So we need to come back tonight and say, do I really love life? I've set before you, God says, life and death. Choose life that you may live. Heavenly Father, I pray tonight that you would help us truly to see things from your perspective. That we truly would choose life. Not just tonight, but tomorrow morning, tomorrow through the day, and next week. And, and Lord, that, that we really would be those people that seek first the kingdom of You and Your righteousness. And that we would choose life. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes.